Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the TV shows that created the collective unconscious of those who still lose it watching bad audition compilations. I am Hannah Leach, a writer, musician, audio producer, and small town girl with a big voice. And I'm Audrey Leach, director, editor, producer, and it's a no for me dog. We are the sister duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these shows since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the media that first inspired our love for pop culture in an attempt to answer the question, is it actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if it is? Today, we are talking about American Idol. Let me just tell all of you that I spent five consecutive hours doing these notes and watching this content because there are hundreds of episodes of this show and there is so much information surrounding it. And honestly, I could have done like five more hours of notes because I I, I kind of feel like I barely scratched the surface, but yeah. I did have some thoughts that I think will be fun to talk about. So I mean, it's like decades at this point. It's 21 years old right now. Yeah. So it's a lot to think about. I also wanted to say before we get into it, that the reason why we're even doing American Idol this week is because over the weekend, I spent a bunch of time with our mix engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman, my dear friend. And we were talking about the show and somehow American Idol came up and we both were like, oh my God, that's such a good idea for a sleepover episode. So I texted Audrey and she immediately was like, T, we have to do it. And here we are, like yeah. three days later. And I've always wanted to, I kind of, I have thought before like, oh, what if we did a reality show? But, yeah. you know, at this point, genres, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> like we're just doing, right. we're doing media that is relevant, period. Yes, definitely. Like, and I really don't think there's a better example of a show that like defined the era that we talk about more than American Idol. Yeah. So the memories, the aesthetic of it all, there's so much to talk about. But before we get into that, the question for the culture this week. The culture is super sick right now. It's actually really bad, period. So it's very relevant to this week's episode a big part of watching American Idol is, especially in the beginning, is laughing at bad auditions. And the question for the culture is, is that unethical? No. Who cares if it's unethical? It's going to happen. At some point, half the auditions that they would show were an attempt to be on the show. So they were going to do That's something true. flashy. They were going to do something bad or extremely bad and yeah. only a small percentage of the ones who were bad and made TV were people who were genuinely trying thought they were actually good 
and now are being made fun of. I feel like that percentage is not that high. In the beginning, there would be more, like season one. There yes. Would, there would be more that are genuinely trying. Yes. But as the as it got more and more popular, like, I think that, like, synthetic feeling went up a lot. Yes. Yes, I agree. I think that at the end of the day, it's all kind of fair game. I think that the delusion element is really it's funny. Part. It's the best part. And I do think that compared to other reality TV where it's like people's deepest, rawest trauma that is uh quantified and turned into plot lines that is way more unethical than American Idol in the early days. Yeah, because it's like you've signed up to be here, you know you're here, you know why you're here, and you are you have quite literally signed up to be judged in a way that people very rarely get on reality now. Now it's like, oh, you're going to be talking about some personal issue, but now you're going to be judged by a decision that you made rather than like literally being judged based off an audition. Like, I feel like that's the most fair thing ever. Yeah. Well, and I think also past season one, you know you're signing up to potentially get roasted. So if you get roasted, you shouldn't be surprised or all that hurt because... It could happen. It's just till it happens to you, as they say. And probably some of the people that did a really bad audition were happy to get on the show just for the fact that they were able to get on a huge show. Like you, you, yeah. (laughs) I mean, unless you are humiliated really hard, but I think think this is before Twitter though in the beginning so like you might get made fun of locally but you're not really gonna get made fun of globally um that you know of so that is true so I think the humiliation on a smaller scale is more ethical than on a big scale yeah I think so well that was a good discussion (laughs) and that will continue to be a through line in this episode Let's get into the facts. There are many, but it's really interesting because I didn't remember a lot of this. We watched American Idol as a family back in the day, and I remembered parts of it, but the actual structure, I did not really remember. So we are going to remember together today. So American Idol premiered on Fox as like a summer, like, gap filler show on June 11th, 2002, American Idol is running to this day. Recently, season 21 (laughs) wrapped, and there are now 661 episodes of American Idol out there in the world. There was a gap, though. I know for a- There was a gap, but it wasn't very long. It was like a two-year gap, and we will hear more about that later in the notes. The Rotten Tomatoes synopsis. Singers with dreams of superstardom audition and compete in a series of challenging rounds in the hope of living their childhood and lifelong dreams. Challenging rounds is a really weird way to put it, but that's how they put it. And then... For the show structure, the format changes a lot over the years, but I'm sticking with the early version just for our nostalgia purposes. So it starts with open auditions. And the only auditions we saw on TV, as we were talking about earlier, were those that made it past at least three preliminary cuts 
either because they were really good or really bad, but unless they're self-aware, contestants aren't sure whether they made it past based off the fact that they were good or bad. So people are chosen from their auditions. They're told you're going to Hollywood. And then there is Hollywood week. And in the early years, there were three rounds of eliminations during Hollywood week. In the first round, individuals performed, but in front of a group for humiliation purposes. Then there were groups working together, like like a drag race group challenge, basically. And then all the contestants sang solos again, either with a band or a cappella, depending on the season. In season two and three, the contestants were asked to write original lyrics or melodies in an extra round after the third round of eliminations. During this chunk of the show, there was audience voting. Of course, there was the toll-free phone number that was displayed during each performance and at the end of each episode. That number took calls for two hours after the episode and people could call or text in to vote for their favorite. There were 110 million votes during the first season and by season 10, there were 750 million votes. And we never voted once. Well, the okay. And part of it was that I we were always under the impression that it was like not allowed to vote. And I do think that mom and dad were like, no, like we're not voting. But like it wouldn't have hurt anyone for us to vote. After the Hollywood week, there were the finals rounds. And in the first three seasons, the semifinalists were split into different groups to perform individually in their respective night. So there were like different nights with different groups of like 10 people performing. In the first season, there were three groups of 10 with the top three contestants from each group making it to the finals. So I guess it's actually the preliminary finals. In the second and third seasons, there were four groups of eight and the top two of each were selected. These seasons also featured a wild card round where contestants who failed to qualify were given another chance. In the first season, only one wild card contestant was chosen by the judges, giving a total of 10 finalists. In the second and third seasons, each of the three judges championed one contestant with the public advancing a fourth into the finals, making 12 finalists in all. There's a lot of logistics, clearly, when it comes to all of this. And then from the fourth through seventh and the ninth season, they were really determined to have the show balanced gender-wise. So that was like a thing that they were working in. And then for the finals, this is when the show began to be broadcast live in front of a studio audience. The finals lasted eight weeks in the first season. From the second to ninth and 14th season, the finals lasted 11 weeks. And during the finals, each finalist performed songs based on a weekly theme, which may be a musical genre such as Motown, disco, or big band. Songs by artists such as Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, or the Beatles, or more general themes such as Billboard number one hits or songs from the contestants year of birth. The most popular contestants are usually not revealed in the results show. Instead, typically the three contestants who received the lowest number of votes were called to the center of the stage. Also very drag race bottom two. One of these three was usually sent to safety. There's so much fucking information with this. Most importantly, when someone got eliminated, you got the montage of the eliminated contestants time on the show. There was an era when the song played in the background was Bad Day by Daniel Powder, and that was very iconic. He had a bad day. 
So the finales were always broadcast live. And obviously, if you win, this is like the one reality show where it actually meant something. And progressively after this reality show, winning meant less and less. And even obviously, as we know now, who the fuck wins American Idol now? We don't know. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. Because like this sort of fame is... A thing of the past, I would say. Yes. Um, but the winner usually receives a record deal with a major label. They secure a management contract. Hold but- on, I need to cut in. There's no actual prize. Yeah, there is. It's no, there's not. It's the, the winner deal. usually receives a record deal, but it's not guaranteed. So the only thing that they're guaranteed to get is the management from 19 management and going on the American Idol tour. So nothing was guaranteed. It was just like normally you would get a record deal because you were so famous because everyone watched the show. You would secure a management contract with the American Idol affiliated 19 management, which has the first right of refusal to sign all contestants. And then all the top 10, 11 in the 10th and 12th seasons, five in the 14th season, da, 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 finalists earn the privilege of going on tour where the participants may each earn a six-figure sum. So there's lots of usual and may in here. And then lastly, Clive Davis, prominent music mogul, also produced some of the selected contestants' albums, such as Kelly Clarkson, Clay Aiken, Fantasia Barino, and Diana DeGarmo. Really, it's the fame that you are guaranteed the most. That's really what they care about anyway. I mean, I feel like that was enough. But I think I think legally, though, they do have to be paid, you know, like minimum wage <laughs> just to probably be, minimum wage to be on the show at all. I mean, but that being said, like people on The Bachelor don't get paid anything like you can get away with not paying people on reality TV. Kind of seeing effects of that with shows like The Bachelor and Love is Blind now where like participants of those shows are starting to band together and kind of unionize around laws. They're like certain types of treatment that they should be entitled to, certain resources they should be entitled to that they weren't. Because like with those shows specifically, it's like relationship stuff. So there's a lot of ethical questions there. This show's a little more straightforward. Now we have to get into the cast, including judges and contestants. So There are the three core classic judges, which are Paula Abdul, Simon Cowell, and Randy Jackson. Okay, I remember when we first started watching this show, I was like, I don't know who these people are. They're just known as the judges, which makes sense because I was like nine. But here's just some background information. So Paula Abdul was like the sweet judge, and she began her career as an L.A. Lakers cheerleader and also choreographed for them. Then the Jacksons discovered her, and she ended up choreographing for Janet Jackson. Then that somehow evolved into her having a pop music career, and she was very successful. But on top of having all these pop hits, she has continued to be a very esteemed choreographer. And of course, since American Idol, she has judged on Live to Dance, The X Factor, the all-stars version of Dancing with the Stars, So You Think You Can Dance, and she judged on Drag Race on season six where Adore Delano slash former contestant Danny Noriega was a uh, in the top three and they had like a cute little interaction of Paula recognizing Adore on the show 
And I got a little clip of it here. All right, next up, Adore Delano. Hi. What wildlife animal are you representing? Like a panther. I'm hearing you converse. I'm going, I know this person. Season seven of American Idol. Yes, American Idol. It's nice to see you. But what I like is to not see this mask. It's counterproductive to the amazing personality that I remember so well. I was hoping to see that same sassiness and smart mouth that I came to fall in love with on American Idol, but I didn't get to see it today. So next we have Simon Cowell, who was the mean judge and very well known in pop culture as demonstrated by his inclusion in the Shrek 2 American Idol segment. This was interesting and made a lot of sense to me. So Simon Cowell like went to university, he's English, for like philosophy and English, but his dad worked at EMI Music Publishing and he managed to get Simon a job in the mailroom. But after he didn't get a promotion, he quit and left to try out other jobs before he then returned to EMI. Then he left EMI and then he formed his own entertainment company, E&S, with his former boss, but then also quit then formed the company Fanfare, where they sold exercise videos and international music acts. But then the company went under and he almost went bankrupt. Then somehow he went on to work at BMG as an A&R consultant, where he convinced two actors, Robson and Jerome, to record a cover of Unchained Melody. And he ended up making his first million dollars off of them. And then later he went on to sign a lot of really lucrative commercial acts, including the Teletubbies, which I did not know is a thing that one could do. And of course, he has been on American Idol since, well, he's not on American Idol anymore. He left in 2010, but he was there from the beginning. And because of his success on American Idol, he started his own company once again called Psycho, (laughs) S-Y-C-O, not Psycho. And that spun off a bunch of TV shows, including The X Factor and America's Got Talent and Britain's Got Talent. His industry became talent-based reality TV, which honestly makes a lot of sense. And then lastly, Randy Jackson, who was the cool judge. He played bass for Journey, Aretha Franklin, Kenny G, and Tracy Chapman, among others. Now, there continued to be a shitload of judges over the years. Audrey, would you care to enlighten us? Whoever the fuck Cara Diagardi is. She was a songwriter and producer. (laughs) Ellen DeGeneres, Jennifer Lopez, Steven Tyler, Mariah Carey, Nicki Minaj, Keith Urban, Harry Connick Jr., Luke Bryan, Katy Perry, Lionel Richie. Of course, the show was and is hosted by Ryan Seacrest. He's someone who really like eludes me background wise, but I thought it was interesting that he got into the business like very organically through pursuing radio in college. And he like went to college for broadcast journalism and then dropped out to like move to LA and and hit it big, which he proceeded to do. He co-hosted and served as executive producer of Live with Kelly and Ryan once Regis Philbin retired slash died. Did he die? I mean, he's dead now. I think he just retired, but unsure. He he 
uh, hosted American Top 40 and on air with Ryan Seacrest. And then once Dick Clark retired from the New Year's Rock and Eve special, he became the host and executive producer. He loves taking over for an old, uh, like, broadcast legend. And so he hosted American Idol forever with the exception of the two-year hiatus between 2016 and 2018, as well as this one show on April 8th, 2019, where Bobby Bones subbed for him after he got sick. Have you ever seen that video of Britney Spears thinking he's gay, but then... (laughs) Yes, yes. That is the second time someone has brought that up to me in the past, like, 48 hours. I have seen it. You do? You put spray cologne on your girl? I spray girls' cologne on my pillows to make me think they're there. But you just do, like, your girl leaves the house and you're like, come here, baby. Oh, no, no, I don't, <laughs> no, no, I don't do Go that. Off. I just put Trezor <laughs> in my bed and smell. Oh, there's somebody. Oh, there's no one there. It just smells like someone's there. And then there's the little-known co-host, one Brian Dunkelman, who was only on the first season. When I was looking at his Wikipedia page, one of the only citations was the article with the headline, Former American Idol Host Defends Driving Uber, which just made me laugh. He was allegedly going to get fired from American Idol, and he, like, beat them to the punch by just quitting before they could fire him. So shout out to Brian Dunkelman. He did his best. Hi, I'm Ryan Seacrest. And I'm Brian Dunkelman. Honestly, when I was watching it, and you may have gotten the same sense, like, Ryan was a lot better than him. And I think that may have been it. They just realized it wasn't a two-man job, I guess. And they didn't have, like, a dynamic. Like, there was no, like, good dynamic between them. I think it may have supposed to be, like, a straight man, goofy man. But, like, Brian wasn't bringing the goofiness. So it was just, like, two kind of boring white guys talking at the same time. Okay, here are the winners in order. Kelly Clarkson, Ruben Stuttered, Fantasia Barino, Carrie Underwood, Taylor Hicks, Jordan Sparks, David Cook, Chris Allen, Lee DeWise, Scotty McCreary, Philip Phillips, Candace Glover, Caleb Johnson, Nick Fradiani or something, Trent Harmon, Maddie Pop, Lane Hardy, Just Sam... What? That's not a name, is it? No, he's like, that's like Josh isn't just Sam. Um, (laughs) Chase Beckham, Noah Thompson, and Eum Tongi. So the top two of season one were Kelly Clarkson and Justin Guarini. And after the season, they made a musical together from Justin to Kelly, a movie musical, which was released in 2003 and widely panned. Kelly Clarkson has been on a press tour over the past few weeks because she's just released a new album. And Mm. she was on Las Culturistas with Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers. And they kind of talked about that movie. And Kelly was like, I did not want to do that movie. I had never acted a day in my life. I didn't want to do it, but they forced me to do it. Uh And she hated it. She didn't want to be in it, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then she also talked about how Justin Guarini was very heavily underutilized and underappreciated by like the American Idol franchise. She said that what they ended up manufacturing him into with the label was far worse than what he was capable of. Like he was a lot more Mm -hmm. of an impressive musician than they allowed him to be and that it like Mm -hmm. sucks. 
So other than the winners, we have some notable figures and notable runner-ups who are relevant outside of the show. Like you could hear these names and not necessarily know that they were on American Idol. So first of all, the most acclaimed ex-American Idol person is Jennifer Hudson, who is generally regarded as the third most successful American Idol person, like contestant, after Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. Fun fact, she is the youngest woman and second black woman ever to become an EGOT winner. So Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, good for her. She deserves it. She's one of those people that became an EGOT winner for being a producer on A Strange Loop, which is like, a, a good lineup of people I've noticed. So shout out to her. So of course we have Adam Lambert who had these two big hits. What do you want from me? And Audrey, do you want to talk about the other one and the relevance that it has? Well, it definitely ain't a hit as far as numbers go, but All right. there's this song shady that our show choir did. And I love that song. I still listen to that song, but I don't think it's a hit by any means, but I do love the song. Oh, also, he's ugly. He's in the New York era when Kurt Kurt mm. goes to, like, a guitar store or something, and he works there, and then they, they become, like, platonic gay friends, though, which is kind of nice. That is kind of nice. That's kind of rare. Yeah. And, of course, now Adam Lambert is singing lead for Queen with the shows that they're doing now, which feels very cosmically correct, and I love that for him. Next, we have Chris Daughtry of the band Daughtry. He had a lot of, like, mid-2000s kind of Nickelback-esque hits, including Over You and Home. Next, we have Clay Aiken, who to me looks very much like a gay flight attendant now. He he is very Botoxy, and I love him. After American Idol, he went on to run for Congress, perform on Broadway, appear on Celebrity Apprentice, and write a New York Times bestselling book titled Learning to Sing, colon, Hearing the Music in Your Life. Okay, Tori Kelly, I think she is best known for being kind of aloof, maybe. She's got an amazing voice. She's like, she was really close with the pentatonics. Like she was that era. She does have an amazing voice, but she has kind of suffered a like branding issue in a similar way that maybe Jojo has. Like there's some, mm -hmm. there's like a similar thread. Then we've got Todrick Hall, who really is known for being a YouTube star, but was also in the top 16 in 2010. I could go on about him for days. I mean, he's got a heavy association with Drag Race now, heavy association with all of the YouTube stars in their 30s who have all been canceled in the past three years. <laughs> he also is a reality star too because like he did Big Brother and there's a bunch of like shit about him on Big Brother and like he like causes problems everywhere he goes. People accuse him of like not paying his dancers and like All just right. being a shady individual and then he'll write these really long handwritten notes trying to defend <laughs> himself and post them on Instagram and then just be like I've been a staple of this industry for 15 years like <laughs> it's a lot yeah he was involved in wasn't he involved in that show that would come 
right after or right before Drag Race that was like yeah. the gays of WeHo. The real friends of WeHo. Right, Me, right, right, right. Hunter and I, so I secured an apartment in WeHo of all places. And mm-hmm. Hunter and I, we do make that joke. Like like in over the past few <laughs> days, we'd be like, oh, like we're going to be a real friend of WeHo or like when the moment when we finally see one of them. Speaking of Audrey securing an apartment in WeHo, I also secured an apartment in Chicago since we recorded last time, I think. I think it was since we recorded the last time so yay next we have david archuleta who is known for the song crush but he also wrote a children's book called my little prayer and in 2021 he opened up about balancing being a part of the lgbtq plus community and his mormon faith did not know he had those elements going on but i found that to be delightful and a little troubling how did you know that because i saw the post that day Like I saw on Twitter, I think like people were talking about that and it is, I would argue an oxymoron to say that you are balancing your identity with the Mormon faith because the Mormon faith does not tolerate you. Like you can choose to participate, but you, they're not, it doesn't really work, I would say. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But he definitely has Mormon personality, so... He's very squeaky, squeaky clean. Next, we have, of course, Danny Noriega slash Adorolano. I don't think I really have to go into that. Drag Race Top 3 Season 6. Later in the second half, we can talk about how people like Danny are treated on the show. Yes, I actually have that later on in the notes. I have like a whole breakdown of that. And lastly, Constantine Maroulis, who originated a role in Rock of Ages on Broadway and was nominated for Best Actor in the Tonys and also produced Spring Awakening. So for those curious, American Idol was based on the British show Pop Idol, which was created by Simon Fuller, who ends up being the executive producer and showrunner of American Idol. In 2001, there was an attempt to sell Pop Idol to the United States. People weren't really into it. But then Rupert Murdoch was convinced by his daughter to buy the series who had seen the British show. The success of American Idol was pretty much attributed to Simon being really mean and the audience involvement aspect. And by 2004, it had become the most watched show on U.S. television, a position it then held for seven consecutive seasons until 2011. But then the ratings started to decline in 2012 with rating falls of over 20% each season, after which the 15th season would be its last on Fox. But then by 2017, ABC acquired the rights and it's been going since then. And it has the judges, Katy Perry, Luke Bryan, and Lionel Richie. And Ryan Seacrest is still the host. American Idol was huge. It revolutionized TV in the US. Some TV executives described the series as the most impactful show in the history of television. There were a lot of really big sponsorships, including Coca-Cola, Ford, AT&T, Apple's iTunes. There was an extreme amount of sponsorship and product placement. As you may remember, the lounge that the contestants would hang out in was the Coca-Cola Red Room. 
The show inspired a ton of other game shows for the Fox Broadcasting Company. American Idol and other shows such as Survivor and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire were credited for expanding reality television overall in the U.S. And American Idol became the most watched non-scripted television series. And you can really trace the line of American Idol into Rockstar, Nashville Star, The Voice, Rising Star, The Sing-Off, and The X Factor. So critical reception of American Idol. So a reviewer from Entertainment Weekly considered that as TV, American Idol is crazily entertaining. As music, it's dust moat inconsequential. Others, however, thought that the most striking aspect of the series was the genuine talent it revealed. It was also described as a sadistic musical bake-off and a romp in humiliation, which I would say is accurate. The decision to send the first season winner to sing the national anthem at the Lincoln Memorial on the first anniversary of the September 11th attacks in 2002 was also poorly received by many. Lisa De Morales of the Washington Post noted sarcastically that the terrorists have won. Honestly, edgy to say in 2002. Some high-profile musicians had some strong opinions about the show. That American Idol is seen to be a fast track to success for its contestants has been a cause of resentment for some in the industry. Leanne Rimes, commenting on Carrie Underwood winning Best Female Artist in Country Music Awards over Faith Hill in 2006, said that Carrie has not paid her dues long enough to fully deserve that award. Yeah, I'd be pissed off too, honestly. Yeah, And then... Also, it is a common theme that has been echoed by many others. Elton John, who had appeared as a mentor in the show, but turned down an offer to be a judge on American Idol, commenting on talent shows in general, said that there have been some good acts, but the only way to sustain a career is to pay your dues in small clubs. Okay, it doesn't have to be that, but definitely something. (laughs) But that is something that always exists in the entertainment industry. It just changes form. So like back then it was American Idol. Now it's TikTok. Like it's like, yeah. why does some random person who, you know, is hot basically get to earn a million dollars when they did absolutely nothing? And I think it's actually only gotten worse. The people who went on American yeah. Idol did do something. They did yeah. they they did a job that took months and you know that there's something to be said for that. They sung live and they worked yeah. quick. And yes. nobody today who gets famous overnight is doing any of that. It is rapidly evolving and uh, kind of concerning. Now you can like quite literally think Britney Broski. She made a facial expression. And now she gets to do all this cool stuff. So now we've arrived at what Audrey was alluding to early, which is how queer people, especially gay men, at the beginning of the show were treated. They're treated like they don't know what a gay man is. Yeah. Like, it's it's like such an alien type of treatment. I'm like, Paula Abdul knows what the fuck is up. Like, let's not pretend <laughs> yeah. that she is like, this is a foreign concept. But like, I watched Adam Lambert's audition and like, he like went up to the female judges and like kissed their hand, which is like yeah. an iconic thing to do. That's like an iconic thing for him to do. But then, you know, Simon and Randy are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, shut up. Like, you know yeah. what's going on here. But- As a child watching 
the way, like, I loved Danny Noriega on the show and yes. I didn't even know what gay men were yet. Yes, right. Like, I, I actually didn't. But they, they, <laughs> yeah. had, they had to be consumable to people all across the country because American Idol was super, like, I feel like it kind of, like, leaned rural in terms of, like, Yes. Who they would allow to be on the show. It's not like they were casting from New York and L.A. That was like the point. They're going to cast from all over. So because of that, it had sort of like a country thing to it. Yeah. Other shows don't. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because that's this such a big part of the show is that it's like the American dream, like someone from the heartland getting plucked and thrown into the spotlight. And I think in some ways that is really cool. And it kind of speaks to like the point of the show, as you're saying, the homophobia that trickled in was not and racism. Yeah. Was not such a great part of it. It's also funny because I have heard interviews with Adore where she'll be like, and that's Danny being like, I was told to butch it up on American Idol. And it's so funny because Danny is not even close to butched up on that show. (laughs) I literally, I just watched Danny's performance of Jailhouse Rock. (laughs) Simon goes, that was, he's like, that was grotesque. Like he says some crazy shit about it. Paula and Randy are like, you did what you could with that song and you did a good job. I thought the performance was verging on grotesque. I oh absolutely... Oh, if you're going to take on Elvis, at least do it well. I mean, the whole performance was hideous. And, to be, and I'll tell you why I say that, Danny. If, if this was the first time anyone tuned into this show by accident and saw that, which is somebody destroying an Elvis Presley song... Of course, it's Simon's job to be as rude as possible, but it's just like he put the adore spin on it and you're mad. Like, sorry. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. It's sad. I also discovered kind of like an interesting little side plot, which is that there was a contestant in 2001 named Jim Verraros, and he came out as gay on his blog and the American Idol producers made him take it off because they were scared that it would be unfairly influencing votes, which is just tragic. And then... Adam Lambert had a couple funny quotes talking about like it being scandalous that he was gay on the show. When the season ended like that May, he said, I don't think it should be a surprise for anyone to hear I'm gay. I've been living in Los Angeles for eight years as a gay man. I've been at clubs drunk making out with somebody in the corner. That just made me happy. He just was himself. He also makes the claim that being gay lost him American Idol, which I do kind of believe because Chris Allen was not particularly stunning. Of course, Clay Aiken Super gay. He said, one thing I found of people in the public eye, either you're a womanizer or you've got to be gay. Since I'm neither one of those, people are completely concerned about me. And that just made me happy. I could totally imagine him saying that. Memories of the show, just like the adrenaline rush of... Yes. Because we had nothing to like look forward to, I feel like, on our school nights before things got really crazy with extracurriculars because that's this is the era we're talking about like you know we had like dance or like a music lesson once a week but we didn't have something every single day like we did later on 
And so, like, this was a prime family viewing experience. And, like, I definitely was excited to watch it. And I was having that same feeling when I was watching it, like... When you would hear da 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 and you would have been like in the kitchen getting a snack and then you hear it come on and you're like, you're like booking yeah. it back to the living room. Ugh. And we would watch it with our parents. The audition episodes were always the best because mom and dad would also like get in on enjoying the cringe, which is yeah. always great. I feel like the... The elimination episodes, although they are high stakes, they tended to be the most boring because there's like the least going on. I feel like it was like high, high ratings for auditions. And then there was kind of a lull in some of that middle, like when when you're just cutting down the ranks, like I feel like sometimes it can get a little bit laborious. But then when once you're at, like, top 10, it gets good again. And then it gets yeah. better and better. Yeah, just, like, the anticipation of it all was so thrilling. You just didn't know what was going to happen. And it was live, which is especially exciting. And it's, like, throughout the show, the audience is deciding what's going to happen. And that's just thrilling. It was so much fun. I remember having... Taylor Hicks's cover of Do I Make You Proud on my iPod. I actually think that was one of the original songs like near the end where the contestants would get original songs composed for them, like a moment like this. I had no business having a Taylor Hicks song on my iPod, and yet I did. Something that I kind of remember thinking watching the show is like kind of not enjoying the judge shtick after a while. Like I'm just, I just would be like, this sucks. Or like, you're like being annoying on purpose. And like my, my like understanding of that, my understanding of shtick kind of like grew through watching this show. Yes. Because it's probably like the first reality show I ever really watched. I remember mom also being particularly vocal about not liking Paula. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I think that some of her judgments, I have talked to her about this, some of her judgments on women that are roughly in her age group, like, Paula Abdul, she's older, but roughly her age group, Julia Roberts, Sandra Bullock, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, these types of women, she just is very bothered by. Like, Mm -hmm. she's just not a fan of their thing. Jennifer Aniston, like... And it really, I feel like it, like, affected my perception of those women, too, for a long time. Yeah, Yeah. And I'm like, they're actually, like, they might be a little bit boring or something, but for the most part, I think you can't really judge them by each other. Like, they all fit into this category. But you know who does pass? Laura Dern passes. And it's like, yeah. Like, I kind of get why Laura Dern passes. Like, I really like Jennifer Garner. She seems like a sweet woman. Yeah, I like yeah. her. Like, I've had to, like, be look at these women again and be like, what do I actually think about them? Also, in watching Paula today, like, judging people, I actually think that she's behaving the same way that I would. Right. In her shoes. Right. Like, she's constantly defending people from Simon. She's trying to be constructive, even when they're awful. Like, I think she's a good judge. I think she's, like, 
Yeah. Nice. Well, I, I remember know. people people being very like, she's too nice. Like, she's dumb. But no, she's like, just like being a human. Yes. And looking back at it, it's like, okay, the audience was so bloodthirsty that like basic human kindness was like boring and like dragging down the show. Yeah. But Randy also usually was pretty good too. Like he, he, was, yeah. the, he was the middle between Paula and Simon, but like... He would give good criticism, but he would be kind most of the time and sometimes be blunt, but, like, that's okay. I would hate to be the one hired to be, like, mean, but that's the moneymaker, so I don't know. Yeah, also, Simon clearly, like, relished it. Like, he Mm -hmm. did not feel remorse. You could just tell. No. I mean, it, it is fun to be bitchy, but, like, to be publicly, so publicly mean, there's got to be, yeah. there's got to be life repercussions to that. I'm sure. I like mean. Everybody thinks that you're mean. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the episodes that we watched are the season one first episode, the season one finale. We watched Jennifer Hudson getting eliminated. We watched season 21, the newest season, season 21, episode one, and the season 21 finale. So that's skipping over a lot of content, but we thought that that would lead to the most interesting conversation. So if you want to watch any of the season one stuff, it's all on YouTube in full. And then for season 21, it is on Hulu. Yep. So the resources exist. Go uh, give it a watch and we will be right back. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler free about their books so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. We are back. We're talking about American Idol. Let's get into this pilot. It premiered on June 11th, 2002. I found something today that said, it was one of the producers saying that no one knew what American Idol was and they had to run around begging people to audition in a mall, which makes a lot of sense, honestly. So just keep that in mind as we get into talking about this episode. Audrey, what'd you think? I really enjoyed them explaining the show at the beginning. Yes. They're like, yeah, this is how this show works. And it's just so funny, like, knowing how big it's gonna get that, like, there was a time when they had to, like, truly explain what was going on in the show. Three months from now, live on this very stage, an as-yet-unknown talent will be launched into superstardom. 
We don't know who that is yet. Right now, they could be parking cars or even waiting on tables. Who knows? What we do know is by the end of the summer, that person's life will change forever. It's crazy how much ground they cover in one episode. Like, they go to like six cities in one episode. It, truly, it's packed. Like, every, every 15 seconds, you're kind of dealing with somebody or something else, which makes it highly entertaining. And I was highly entertained. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> it is really entertaining. And you don't know where they're going to take you and who they're going to show you. Also, from the very top, they present the judges as like really cold and like punishing. <laughs> and then Simon does this whole lecture where he's like, auditions are a brutal place. We're going to give them hell. We're going to make them wish they were never born. And that was just really funny to me. We are going to tell people who cannot sing and who have no talent that they have no talent. And that never makes you popular. We are going to show the audition process as it really is. Because shows in the past have not shown the brutality of auditions. Auditions are horrible places to go. And I'm warning you now, you are about to enter the audition from hell. I was noticing how often they would comment on a girl's appearance. Yes. Like, constantly it was you're beautiful, but you need voice lessons or you don't look like a pop star, but that was amazing. Like they're all yeah. comparing to basically like Britney Spears, like just think of Britney Spears. That's who they have in their mind is like, ding, 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 this is gold. Right. And then everybody, no matter what their downfall is, they're being compared to like an industry extreme standard. It is interesting to see that like so um, literally manifested in front of you. Like yeah. normally you don't really get that sort of behind the scenes info about a person. Like this was their negative point in marketing or whatever. But like there was one girl who she was black and she wasn't like super thin, but she sounded great. And Paula and Simon both said no because she like didn't fit a stereotypical ideal. And then Randy was like, actually, I disagree. And there is no one way that you should have to look. And I think you absolutely should go to Hollywood or whatever. And they did say yes. You are the wind beneath my wings. I would strongly suggest that you work on your overall look and style. I disagree with both of them. I think that there's many stars that look many different ways and many shapes and sizes. And I always say, it's whatever's the star in you. And right now, the star in you is your voice. I think she should definitely come to Hollywood. Come up, see you in Hollywood. Congratulations. There's so many examples of very, very successful artists who don't fit that standard. Yeah. So I, it's just interesting that Simon and Paula and Randy, to some extent, would be judging based off that, especially when it comes to women, yeah. like, like almost exclusively. And if it was men, then you, you know, if you were a little gay seeming, then, <laughs> yeah. you know, it wasn't a problem. Like they did let a good amount of gay guys through, honestly, yeah. do you think yes. about it? But the yes. way that they were perceived and treated on the show was not kind. Mm -hmm. It was, it was just like, oh, you're, there's like very othered. 
So remember that girl? She was like supermodel black girl. And mm-hmm. she sang and she like wasn't particularly good. In fact, she sang I Will Always Love You and didn't even yeah. get to the hard part. And I was like, she and they definitely. Were so I know. Well, I was like, she definitely flopped that chorus. But because she's so pretty, they were just like, let's cut that out. And then be like, you're beautiful. You move on. Yeah. Ah! Kelly, we, we talk about the X Factor. You have a capital X. I do just want to quickly mention, this is completely not, this mm-hmm. is completely out of left field, but there is an amazing, amazing compilation of interactions between Nicki Minaj and Mariah Carey as judges on this show. Yes. And it is so worth watching, and I will be placing something in here because they just hate each other. They, like, openly hate each other. Uh, what Harry? I think is... I was about, see? You are so feet out to cut the kid. Oh, oh, my God. God. Y'all were thinking the same thought. I was about to hand it out to you. Welcome oh, to the family, Johnny. I was about to give it to my, <laughs> to my co-judge. No, I was about to say Carrie. Oh, and I was about to say beep. Do you want to talk about the auditions real fast? Yeah, like, I just want to really quickly run through some of the ones that we, I think that America remembers the most. <laughs> yes. One being... Pants on the ground guy. I forgot about pants on the ground. I want to sing my song called Pants on the Ground. Pants on the ground, pants on the ground. Looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. With the gold in your mouth. Hat turned sideways, pants hit the ground. Call yourself a cool cat looking like a fool. Walking downtown with your pants on the ground. Get it up. Hey, get your pants off the ground. And like that went viral. Like it like essentially went extremely viral and like was on iTunes I think I think they like produced that into a real song yeah it was also like viral in the early YouTube way which is very charming yeah that girl with the red shirt and (laughs) the short blonde hair yeah Ugh, I wish I could like I wish I had her thing memorized I tried to has it memorized your name is Mary Roach. However, if I do make it to Hollywood, I'm going to change my last name to Gilbo because it has more star quality. Uh, what are you going to sing? I'm going to sing I Feel the Earth Move by Carol King. All right, off you go. I feel the earth move, fall on my feet. I feel the sky come falling down. I've heard from many, many, many different people that I have an amazing voice. All my friends have told me that I had an amazing voice. Random people I don't know have told me that I can really sing. Now, I want to say a big to Simon and Randy. And Martin Graff, even though he's a hottie, I won't deny that. Also, we can't forget William Hung. He did, she bangs, she bangs. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> She moves, she moves. Well, the crazy thing is, too, is that I watched that video today, and, like, in everyone's minds, it's like, that was so bad. But, like, it's literally not it's bad. Fine. <laughs> he sings it completely in tune. He's just weird. He's just like a goofy yeah. guy. But I also think people were just being racist. She bangs, she bangs. Oh, baby, when she moves, she moves. I go crazy because she looks like a flop, but she stings like a bee. Like every girl in history. Also, I fe- remembered or I found the video of the guy who sang the song. He's wearing a giant suit and he keeps singing, let my people go. <laughs> Do you remember that one? 
No. It's really funny. You'll have to see that one too. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of a freak show, but it's very entertaining. I guess one of the last thing we could say is that American Idol made stars for better or for worse. You would be known either way. Right. Now, we are going into the season one finale, which aired on September 4th, 2002. First of all, I just got to say, there is this opening group number that is absolute trash. It is so bad. (laughs) And the backing track has the most obvious baked in backup singers that are supposed to be the contestants. And it's just Mm -hmm. really funny and it feels like a drag race number. A lot of it kind of feels like Drag Race. It's funny because I hadn't watched American Idol in so long. Like genuinely stopped watching in like, what, 09 maybe? Something like that. So so all of my like performance reality TV knowledge of the past 10 years has been Drag Race. Yes. And there are kind of a lot of similarities between the two. I agree. Like performance-based, especially in the performance parts. Yeah, just like challenges. How You know what? Drag Race should do audition segments. I have always thought, actually, that that is a kind of a lost section to Drag Race that is really interesting. And Trixie Mattel has definitely tried to kind of do the Drag Race American Idol with that show Queen of the Universe. But there's yes. just something that cannot get me to give a shit about that. Like, I, there's not one part of my soul that wants to watch that show. Yeah. And I don't know why, but I just also got canceled. Like, I feel like I could just tell that it wasn't good. Yeah. Even if the queens are really talented and it looks like they are, it looks like they, I, from what I've seen, that they, they can sing well. But I'm just like... I think it's oversaturated. The market is just Yeah. There are so many drag queen shows now that it's like, yeah. give me something else, you know? I think also it used if it, to be, remember it used to just be Drag Race and Boulet Brothers and yep. it was like, those are your two options. Yep. And now we're just drowning in it. One other thing I wanted to say about this episode and the pilot is that the audio quality is so bad. Like there is not a drop of anything on these voices. Whereas later on, Mm -mm. there is clearly like some polish, not auto-tuning or anything, but just like a little bit of sweetening and mixing. Yeah. And so Like like the live singing of these contestants on the finale is extremely always hard and bad. (laughs) Yeah. And and the fact that like these dry mic feeds were so revealing and Kelly still sounded so good really speaks to her talent. I mean, they're not helping you out at all on a production because it just wasn't really something that they could do yet. They they didn't really have the capabilities to do that live, especially. Yeah. So like, and even when it wasn't live, they weren't helping them out. It was so raw. Yes. But I kind of love that. Obviously, if it's like too shrill or if it's peaking, that's a problem. But if they're just really exposing you for how bad or good you are, (laughs) then like, that's fair. Yeah, like there's not that much you can do about that. Also, I forgot to say that last week, this is relevant, I promise. Last week, me and Audrey and Josh went to Cedar Point and we encountered this like BFA musical theater ass, like live performance group outside the diner 
They perform in like the central hub of Cedar Point in front of the diner and they were giving it to us. But the vibe of that was exactly the same vibe as these group numbers in the beginning. Also, I don't know. I think the Cedar Point people were more polished. (laughs) No, I agree. They were more polished. Did you notice the borderline regulatory low rise jeans for those girls? This era was so like anorexia inducing. And I had that thought later when I watched the Jennifer Hudson elimination. I was like, damn. This is like straight up wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then later, like she became the spokesperson for Weight Watchers. And clearly there is like a ongoing battle between her and her weight. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's not my business. But- Yeah, and the same thing with Kelly Clarkson. Like, I looked up stuff about her body journey and she talks about how she wanted to, like, she contemplated suicide while really skinny. Like, it was really, really bad for her. And she seems to be a lot happier now with her daytime TV show and her musical performances and her being a mother and all that. It just... This era, it would be so hard to be like a rising woman star in this era. The funny thing with Kelly Clarkson is that like, as I said, I've watched all these recent interviews with her because she had a really nasty divorce and like that's kind of what the album is about. Whenever people talk to her about her time on American Idol or her talk show or literally anything she's done, she's got this like completely kind of like I don't give a shit attitude about it like with the talk show she's like they proposed it to me and I was like why would anyone want to watch that like Uh I don't understand she's like I'm a singer you know it's like yeah she's not a comedian she's not a you know what whatever other career you would have that would lead to having your own talk show and so she's like super down to earth in that respect of just being very self-aware in that she's had this really long career It almost seems unlikely that she's had this really long career because she kind of doesn't care that much. Like, she's very self-aware. She's pretty down to earth. Like, it seems rare that someone with that kind of personality would be able to sustain a go, go, go Mm -hmm. career. Yeah. And, like, her music, as I like her, but I don't personally need to listen to her music. Like, I don't. Other than the classics, like the old ones. Yeah. I mean, I think that because she's such like a central figure in American culture, especially for people that are a little bit older than us who were like older teens, like they're always going to love her. And so that combined with her just genuinely being a super talented vocalist. Yeah. She really is. Yeah. That also reminds me that Jennifer Hudson now has a talk show too. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to come back to that because there's a really interesting clip about her daytime show that we're going to come back to. But I just also wanted to say about the finale that poor Justin Guarini was like doing the absolute most on this show. And honestly, he wasn't like fantastic. He, I mean, he's no Kelly Clarkson, but he did a pretty good job and- especially live. And I was just thinking about how like he has to have had a lot more raw talent than a lot of these guys in like boy bands and who were big time people. And it's just unfortunate that 
he couldn't get in on that, you know? American Idol was not always fair. No. And like Jennifer Hudson got so lucky in that she didn't win, but it didn't matter. But then there are people who do win and then they don't, you know, like yeah. it, the fate is very much in the hands of the American people of like, yes. are are they going to pick this person up? Like, obviously what the person does behind the scenes does matter. But I think especially in the beginning, it's like we either fucked with you or we didn't. Like there, yeah. there was no, you couldn't fake it. Like yeah. you had to be loved. And I think that that leads nicely into just a mini conversation about Jennifer Hudson getting eliminated. I watched this whole like episode skimmed through. I also just have to comment on the fact that there was an extremely weird God Bless America number where Mm -hmm. Barry Manilow came out and started singing a different song about America, which is very very directly post 9-11 vibes. It was in 2004, so it was like a few years later, but I uh, just thought that that was interesting and like so deeply mid-2000s American, just the complete overall vibe. So in that episode, the bottom two are Fantasia Brino, who will go on to win, and Jennifer Hudson. I heard her performance from the week before and she was incredible. So I don't know what the deal was, but she got eliminated and it was simply wrong, which it leads me to in this, in her daytime talk show, there's like a super cut from the Jennifer Hudson show YouTube channel, where it's all these guests she's had sitting down and being like, listen, before we get into it, I just need to tell you, I know where I was when you got cut from American Idol. And it is not okay that that happened. Also, now that I think about it, it was really funny because it was the, I watched the first half of it and the three people that talked were Tan France, Billy Porter, and Michael Urie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like the gays were going out for her, which makes sense. When you're on American Idol, I'm so, I'm sure you're done talking about American Idol. I lived in America when I was like 19. Uh Uh-huh. And I couldn't, I was, I was from England, and so I didn't have an American mobile phone. So I wanted to vote, and so I would go to the street corner where they had a payphone to vote for you! I'm obsessed with Barry Manilow also, and that's how I first knew you. Because yeah. you sang um, Weekend, Weekend in, New in New England on Idol yes, I do. and crushed it. Thank you, you think so? Uh, oh my God. You know, that, you know that's the song I was eliminated off of. I know, and then you got kicked off. And I got kicked off. Which was, America really messed <laughs> up. We were all fans of American Idol <laughs> until the day that Simon Cowell, <laughs> after you sang, said, you're untalented and I don't understand why you're in the competition. That's what he said to her. And I never watched that show again. What I thought was kind of interesting about her elimination is like she took it in stride so well yes like she didn't look mad yeah really and then Fantasia said out loud you're my American Idol yeah and that was so cute you kind of just get the sense like after she was eliminated you're like she'll be okay like you don't get yeah. that really sad like oh <clears throat> no like this is gonna like do it for her forever like she's not coming back you kind of just feel like She's okay. Yes. Because she had that confidence and like yeah. talent. Yeah. So you just knew. I remember when she got eliminated being like, 
that's kind of bullshit. And mom and dad even being like, that's kind of bullshit. And so it was very much acknowledged that it was wrong. And after that season, I'm pretty sure is when they introduced the judges save concept Mm -hmm. where they could like swoop in. I think you can do it twice per season. And Yeah. yeah, which makes sense because how do you eliminate Jennifer freaking Hudson? Now, let's jump 21 years into the future for just a moment to season 21 of American Idol on ABC. This season aired from February 2023 to May 2023. It's way more saccharine now, but I kind of have Mm -hmm. a hot take, which is that I actually really enjoyed it. Really? Yes. I wasn't like, okay, so the, the cons are that Katy Perry is doing way too much. Yeah. But I mean, it's not that the judges are bad. It's that I just don't, I don't feel the need to see their opinions on random people. Like it's very much asking why. Yes. Like I'm like, what's their why for the world? (laughs) Honestly, I would watch a Lionel Richie only American Idol because he yeah. cares. He cares so a lot. much. Whereas yeah. Katy Perry is just like there because they're trying to make her like the meme machine for the yeah. show. Wig, okay. Wig, did you just say wig? Yes. I know, wig. I feel that already. But I will say that she's a really good sport for like being so goofy all the time. Like it's a lot, but. She, I'm sure she gets hired to do that and that's her thing. And she really goes all out and I can respect that about her. The production value is obviously 10 trillion times better, perhaps even a little heavy handed in how glossy it is. But And they can accompany themselves. Yes. And they don't even need to accompany themselves. They can have an accompanist. Yeah. 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 But I like the acapella thing more. I get why they would let, they would want that because it does help the performance so much. But I just think for roasting reasons, yes. acapella is going to reveal a lot more. Yes, I definitely agree. And I think, so as I was watching the episode, I was like, did they completely eliminate the roasting element? And kind of all I saw was like one like mid audition and they weren't even that mean, but they did say no. So yeah, what they, they pivoted the show from let's roast these people. And then later on in the season, talk about all the amazing talent to just let's see the amazing talent with heartfelt, sad stories. Yes. That's the pivot is let's hook them with the depressing shit. And, and be yeah. so amazed that they're this good at singing when they have this sad of a home life. <laughs> right, 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 right. Stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I will say that, like, the the contestants that they featured in this episode especially are this really weird mix of, like, down-home country Christian people and, like, black women with extreme trauma. They went from capitalizing off funny to capitalizing off Trauma, like, yes. in, or rather, inspiration porn kind yes. of thing. Yes. Um, also, I know it's corny, but I kind of love the like 
semi-artistic mini documentaries about their lives yeah. that happen <laughs> before they sing. Well, it's it's just their manipulation tactic, like, but to like, a T. I think that's okay. Is that controversial? I'm not, like, against it at, at all, but I just don't feel called to, like, participate in the show. I could see it for myself. <laughs> Like, does that mean I'm becoming a local? Like, yes. However, the girl at the end, I don't remember her name, saying I'm here from the color purple. And it was like crazy good. And I was like, I kind of love this. <laughs> I was like, I'm kind of yeah, living. Well, I mean, that's what they need. Like, they yeah. need the talent to be that good so that anyone will watch. One thing that probably also contributes to... The change of tone, obviously the fact that Disney owns it, they're going to go for inspiring, not crude or funny. But also um, over time, like the caliber of talent is just raised. Like, you know, you get people younger and younger who are better and better. That's just kind of how it goes. Like inflation, like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are getting better younger. And so that probably also inspired the highlighting good people rather than doing half humiliation, half good. Yes. Because even the best people from the earlier seasons needed, like, a polishing. Yeah. Like, even the best ones. And it's cool to watch them get that over the course of the season. And sometimes you lose that with new shows where these people have been in lessons since they were two and they come from a rich family and they were spoiled from day one. And like, you're kind of like, okay, who gives a shit? Like you kind of want to see that transformation from someone who genuinely was in the country feeding chickens and like singing to themselves to being a superstar. Like that, I think talent, Competitions in general today can't really attain that because American Idol blazed the trail for it, so now it exists. It's like yeah. it's like the same evolution with Drag Race. You look at the beginning; they're genu- they genuinely people had two dollars to their name, but were yeah. like shining on this stage. Yeah. Whereas now you've got rich babies who learned how to do it from the internet. Yeah. You know, it's like For sure, for sure. And that's something that I kind of thought too, is that part of what made American Idol so cool was like, it was right on the brink of everyone being hyper-connected. Like texting was still a new technology and people got to participate in this thing like live. And that was really new. Whereas- Community. (laughs) Yeah, right. Whereas now it's like, I send a text message. Like, I looked up how you vote now, and you have to, like, create an account on, like, AmericanIdol.com. Like, it's not the way that it used to be. And I think that's kind of sad. Like, why not leave it the way it was? I would love to hear the stories of, like, the war stories of, like, being a PA on American Idol or, like, (laughs) being the one who had to, like, help with votes and stuff like that. Like, there's got to just be countless war stories about being behind the scenes. That reminds me that as I was researching today, I found out that there was this whole software that was developed to be able to check through, you could, like, back-end check who was winning through some kind of 
like website thing. And so that like got distributed to the public. And so people were cheating with their votes and Mm -hmm. that was a crisis. And then the other crisis was there was a movement among like trolls that was like vote for the worst person. And that messed with it too. Yeah. I mean, elections, they got their issues. They do have their issues. But luckily, you know, it's like, regardless, it wasn't that high stakes. At least it was not your actual country. Right. Um, But it did feel like that. Like, it felt really important. It's like, who's going to to lead this country for the next year? (laughs) Yeah. That reminds me that there was this ad that AT&T let out that features like these teenage girls walking around like campaigning to get the average American to vote for American Idol. In the description of the commercial, it was like, it features an airheaded teen campaigning. But it did remind me that like the core audience for American Idol was teenage girls and like families watched it, but like young girls were the biggest audience. And I feel like the show was like weirdly respected despite that fact, actually. My fellow Americans. Voting is a very important part of our democratic system. I mean, it's like your duty to vote, especially when we are dealing with issues as important as who's going to be our next American idol. I don't even view it that way because so many families watched it. Yeah, that, like, that is true. And boy, yeah, boys watched it because of the comedy aspect and like making fun of people like they were kind of, I feel like everyone had a yeah. reason to be yeah. there. And also they... They didn't focus on cute boys that much. There was a lot of girl power going on, which also appeals to teenage girls, obviously. But with Simon Cowell, you would think, I think that that was kind of more of an objective with some of his other shows when they would form groups. So X Factor, um, uh, Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, like more of a group thing, putting all the cute boys together to create the most powerful group of cute boys in the world. Right, right. Regarding the finale of season 21, I just have two things to say. First of all, for some reason, the the ceremony opens with Pitbull and Lil Jon, like, lip-syncing to their own song. (laughs) And there's like eight trillion sparklers going off and like cryo cannons and it's like an explosion of light and then just like Pitbull and Lil John and I'm like, how did we get from this weird like 1960s pop medley to this like pyrotechnic show with Pitbull? That was just really disorienting. And then the second thing was that there's this one girl who sang a song, a country song, and the name of the song was Heart Like a Truck, which made me laugh out loud. Weird. Yes. Is that a real song? It must be a real song. I mean, Heart Like a Truck. Oh, and then lastly. Well, it seems like they, a lot more people were doing original material for their audition. That is true. That is true. So. That's a big new part of it as well. And Audrey, as we discussed off mic, there was an egregious elemental ad like in the middle of the show. Because, yeah, now it's owned by Disney. So, of course, they can do Disney theme weeks. They can make people sing Frozen or some shit. Yeah. And then they also can tie in all their movies really easily. But like there's a time and place like (laughs) Dancing with the Stars does the same thing where they always tie in 
Disney brand stuff. And I just, there's nothing more disheartening than like an Olaf costume. (laughs) (laughs) Period. (laughs) That should not be there. Yeah. Like, I so agree. Put it away. Put it away. Put away the Olaf costume, I beg of you. This show did not just affect its genre. It, like, created its genre. It kind of changed everything right when it needed to. Like, yes. I feel like trajectories would be slightly different. Like, a lot of things about the music industry even might be a little bit different. Yeah. Without that show. Yeah. And I mean, some big hitters in in pop and country music would not exist, would not be there if it wasn't for American Idol. But you know what else wouldn't exist? And I'd be so happy. What? (laughs) The live action Sound of Music with Carrie Underwood. (laughs) Get that shit out. That never should have happened. You're so right. But honestly, I know I've talked about this before, but the Audra McDonald climb every mountain like really lives in my heart. So I'm glad we got that at least. Well, we would still have Sound of Music live. We just wouldn't have Sound of Music live with Carrie Underwood. True. And that is what's important. I mean, who made that choice? They were kidding themselves. I mean. On what planet could she ever sing that music? This is the same team of people that probably chose Allison Williams for Peter Pan. Like, Okay, but you know what? I see the vision there. Okay, but... Allison Williams, known tall woman, Allison Williams. I understand. What I'm saying is I I can put myself in their shoes and misguided, yes, but I can understand how they got there. I don't get the Carrie Underwood one. Like, I get it. That doesn't make sense. Who would you have casted? Myself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't see it. Anyway... I would say American Idol is worth revisiting. It's still very much a nostalgic watch and it gives you a lot of perspective on like how pop culture has evolved. And it's really just if you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, have you ever felt, what is that line from Shrek 2? Have you ever felt degraded or oppressed? Or depressed, (laughs) yeah. Um... Just literally pop open that YouTube video for like one of the early episodes just to hear that theme song and to see those graphics. Because I promise you, it will give you a sense of childlike wonderment that you have not felt in a long time. I agree. It really does take you there. Give it a spin. We had a good time rewatching. And with that, where can you find more from us, Audrey? You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingproductions.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audriana Leach on everything. You can follow me, Hannah, at Hannah Ray Leach on everything. And please join our Discord server at the link in the episode description or on Evergreen Podcast. You can check out our merch at twopinkproductions.com slash shop. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and more. Hannah's actually wearing our Dump Him inspired shirt. I am. And if you like the show, please send an episode to a friend. It really helps us get a bigger audience. And yeah, help us out. 
Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcast, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Roll Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. You're going to Hollywood. Woo! <laughs> it's a no for me, dog. Audrey's going to Hollywood. <laughs> we should have said that. You're going oh, to Hollywood. Yeah. Damn it. Dang. Well, I'm literally going to Hollywood. Like you have the ticket and you're Well, now going. we've said it. Now we've said it. He can go kiss my natural born black ass for all I care. Because he don't know diddly squat. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.